Welcome to this ARU podcast, the Out of Hospital Science. Today is the last episode of this series, um, and it's titled The Importance of Evidence-Based Practice. Due to the current situation um, and due to the coronavirus, unfortunately today we haven't been able to um, secure a guest to come and join us. So this is going to be more of a reflection um, and a chat about what evidence-based practice is, um, how it's important, uh, how as student paramedics we can use it to write up our assignments uh, and to uh, bring it to our assessments as well as how to take it on during placement. So yeah, we will just begin by talking about the components that make up evidence-based practice. So evidence-based practice is mainly composed by or influenced by three aspects. So first of all, we've got the best research evidence available. Then we've got clinical expertise. And the third one is the patient's values and preferences. And these three aspects make up what we call evidence-based practice. We need to try and stay away from the idea that evidence-based practice is only, only revolves around the best research available. So the first component that we talk about is best research evidence. What this means is recent relevant evidence to whatever topic you're researching that comes from a peer-reviewed journal. Peer reviewing mainly means that the evidence that is being published has gone through a rigorous uh, checking process by members of the same profession who hold qualifications or a career in research and these peer reviewers need to approve the evidence before it gets published so it's less likely to contain biased opinions um, or biased facts because it's checked several times before it's published by other experts in the topic that is being presented furthermore in order to judge the quality of evidence that we're looking at, we can have a look at um, what's called a pyramid of evidence, where evidence is ranked by how free of bias and how much quality the evidence is. So at the bottom of the pyramid, we've got background information or expert opinion which is mainly based on anecdotal knowledge. Then we've got things like uh, case controlled studies or case reports. After that, we have cohort studies, 
and then on top of that we've got our randomized control trials which select a large sample of the population we're trying to study and they have very rigorous criteria in terms of how they include or exclude patients, how they carry out all their tests and can be usually considered uh, free of bias or very low biased studies. On top of these we have um, critically appraised articles um, and then critically appraised topics which make up things like guidelines and then on top of the pyramid of evidence we have systematic reviews which usually review um, certain randomized controlled trials or cohort studies that have been performed on a single topic. Now moving on to the second aspect that makes up evidence-based practice and that's clinical expertise. As student paramedics we start with very little or no clinical expertise and it's something that you gain through your university journey um, and especially during your uh, placement blocks when you're exposed to real patients and when you have to make uh, management decisions using assessment techniques that you've learned at university and then once you graduate your first um, two to five years consolidate your practice and um, you gain a lot of clinical expertise uh, but then a career in healthcare is always going to mean that you need to continuously develop and you're always going to be gaining um, clinical knowledge um, and clinical expertise so that part of evidence-based practice is uh, it's progressive finally the third aspect and one of the most overlooked ones um, is the patient's preferences and choices in order to deliver holistic care it is essential that we listen to our patients and that we allow and promote our patients to make the decisions that they want to make about their life uh, and that comes with an understanding about uh, capacity consent and promoting patients to make decisions by themselves so our role here as student paramedics or as paramedics when we graduate is to have that um, evidence that best available evidence in conjunction with your clinical expertise and provide that to the patient in a manner that is understandable for them so that they can make the best decision for themselves so now that we understand a little bit more about what evidence-based practice is let's just relate it to how can we apply this concept as um, as students so first of all it's important to bring good quality evidence into your assignments and the best way to do that is to kind of gain an understanding about how to search for quality literature and that's done by using the databases available such as 
Sinau, Medline or PubMed, which should all be available through your um, institutions. And then knowing how to search for a certain type of article that you want to get. And it's quite useful to use your library services, your um, study skills plus services in order to be good at that. And I'd personally recommend to do that as early as possible in your university journey because that's going to give you a good base of knowledge on how to search for good literature and how to appreciate what good literature is and that will be evaluated very positively by um, whoever is um, correcting your assignment. Other things that you may not necessarily find in these scientific databases are things like guidelines. So it's important to always um, have a look at uh, NICE guidelines or UK Resuscitation Council guidelines in order to gain an understanding of where our guidelines come from. Also throughout my university journey I've found quite useful to look at uh, the British Medical Journal and their best practice section that they have. So in terms, especially in essays uh, which have to do with assessing and managing patients, I found BMJ best practice to be very useful as a resource. So finally now moving on to how do we take evidence-based practice onto our placement blocks. I think this happens as you go through university so um, in the first few placement blocks um, you'll be focusing on um, the guidelines uh, looking at JL Calc, doing um, smaller tasks like taking observations, doing ECGs uh, starting to assess patients and make those management decisions and then as you progress through your university degree then you'll start feeling more comfortable with giving patients that best available evidence and your clinical expertise all of this obviously supervised by your mentor but you'll feel more comfortable about providing patients with those two things and letting them make their decision and let them communicate their wishes to you. It is however very important to identify and to clarify that in higher education uh, we get taught about evidence-based practice and uh, about stepping outside of guidelines when that's best for the patient. However the culture within trusts is a little bit different and trusts are a little bit more restrictive in what you can and can't do. So I think for students it's very important to respect that and to make sure that we adhere to trust policies and not step outside guidelines without uh, speaking to our mentor um, and sometimes that involves speaking to clinical hub in order to make those decisions. Um, but obviously always respect trust guidelines and trust policy. 
So the last thing I'd like to introduce and talk about is a bit of the downside of evidence-based practice. And I think nowadays it is important to really try and carefully analyse bias within research. Um, it's very important to have a look at where research is being funded from and what conflict of interest uh, the funders might have with the researchers and as you progress through your university career you'll find it easier to critically appraise evidence and literature and to see how research is sometimes liable to those conflict of interests and to those bias. So anyways this is the last episode of this series and we are closing it here. Um, I'll take this opportunity to thank everyone that's been listening to these 10 episodes um, and who's been providing feedback on the link provided. There is no plan for this series to currently go ahead and continue. Um, however, we don't know what might happen uh, in the near future. So again, thank you very much one last time for listening and tuning in.